started, I had not really thought of any sort of an intro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I suppose that's, I could. So that's okay, uh, but... <laughs> I say, uh, welcome to the Spanish Arpada. My name is Sarah. And my name is Peter. And this is our first series called Yo El Rey, where we will be reviewing and ranking all of the rulers of Spain from Leo Vigil to Felipe VI. But today we're not going to review any sort of person because we're going to kind of talk about this podcast series, mm -hmm. what it's going to consist of, and a little bit about Spain. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So Peter and I are both fans of other ranking podcasts. We both listen indeed, to indeed. Factor. Yes. Um, uh, Totalis Rankium. Totalis Rankium. You're a big fan yes. of the American President series. Yes, I am. Yes. And we also are both fans of the dollop, which kind of has big a fans. structure. Yeah. Yes. So yes, indeed. One person explains something that the other person knows absolutely nothing about. Which makes Spain an ideal topic for me. Well, it's actually your fault that I finally decided to pull the trigger and do this. <laughs> okay. Uh, two things actually really caused me to do this. First of all, I recently took my doctoral comprehensive exams. And when I was reviewing for them, I remember thinking many times, like, geez, I wish there was some sort of podcast about Spanish history because yes. there's so much of it. And it's a lot of notes to review. I, I really wished I could just listen to something right. and, and review everything I had learned. You know, I learned so much about Roman emperors and about right. monarchs from, from mm -hmm. the other Rankium podcasts. So I, that, that's the first thing that, that happened. Mm -hmm. The second thing that happened, this is probably three years ago at this point, two or three years. It was pre-pandemic. We mm -hmm. had just left Pints. I think we were going right. to the Vista Cafe, uh, yes. you and I and our respective spouses. And mm -hmm. you asked me if I knew of any book in English that covered the Muslim conquest of Spain. Right. Right. And mm -hmm. I said, oh, or podcast, you books or podcast. Right. No, absolutely. I said, oh, I don't think I really know anything in English, but I will look. And you said, yeah, you know, Spain and Spanish history is a big blank in my knowledge. Mm -hmm. I really like to learn more. And I, I right. kind of joked with you. I said, what, you're not going to start with the Visigoths? And you kind of went, <laughs> oh, I'll get there. I'll get there. Eventually. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's really your fault that I decided to do this. There's there's uh, nothing really good in English. So I'm going to mm -hmm. tell you all about Spanish history now. Excellent. I take full responsibility. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So the format of the podcast is going to be similar to other Rexy podcasts that you might know, but we're going to, this, this is the, the structure. I'm going to start out talking about the sources. I'm really into primary sources. You're an English professor. So we're yes, both big on texts. We're going to want to, I, I'm going to want to talk about the texts that I'm using for this information, where mm -hmm. they come from and how ridiculous they are because, you know, medieval chronicles <laughs> are... Oh, yes. They're great. They're great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're totally normal. And sometimes mm -hmm. they're bananas. So. There is a fine distinction between history and a story. Yes. <laughs> and I hope to present both on this okay. podcast. Uh, so we'll talk about the sources. Then we'll have just a general biography of the person mm -hmm. we're reviewing, whether that's a king or a queen, or mm -hmm. whether that's a, a Muslim governor or an mm -hmm. emir or a caliph. We're going to see all of these different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. 
we'll tell you the basic story of their life, the kind of stuff that they got up to. And mm. then we are going to go to the ranking category. Yes. Yeah, that's the fun part. That so is the fun part. Each of these categories is going to be worth, ten, we'll each give 10 points for a total of 20. So the okay. first category is conquistadores. Okay. Obviously, how much land or people did they conquer? How many right. wars did they fight and win or lose? We'll each award 10 points. Mm-hmm. Based on this, this is probably the category that you know the most about. I would probably say. yes. Um, because I, I was I was talking about Spain to uh, another person who was equally ignorant of the subject, and I said, and they said, well, what what impression do you have of Spain? And I said, well, taking the broad view, I think of Spain as a country that was subjugated by two empires and learned all the wrong lessons about that basically decided well i guess we're experts now let's let's export yes so. that's that's really an apt description the interesting thing about the conquistadores mm-hmm. section is that it's going to go on a lot longer than i think you might expect yeah yeah i you mean know, there's going I, to be I, I know but right there's going to be up into the 20th century. We're going to have people scoring points in this. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Looking forward yep. to this. That'll be fun. So that's mm-hmm. category number one. Category number two is called no me digas. No me digas mm-hmm. is an expression in Spanish that means something along the lines of you don't say or okay. no way or oh my goodness. Right. It's something you right. say in response to gossip. Gotcha. So gotcha. This is going to be any sort of scandal or gossipy things that happen during the rain. Again, Excellent. there's going to be a wide variety and a wide kind of things that will make you say no me digas. Okay. Uh, there will be some rulers that got up to antics in the bedroom. There are mm-hmm. going to be some rulers that perpetuated genocide. So ah. it's going to run, you know, right. the good one. All the way from shenanigans to Holocaust. The so, Holocaust. All right, good. Yes. All right, good. Yep, yep, good. yep. And I think that's actually a good point as we go into our third category to point mm. out that scoring points in these categories does not necessarily mean that they were good rulers or good no. people. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, our, our, our next category is orthodoxia, mm-hmm. um, which means orthodoxy. Of course. And I okay. actually got a comment about this on, on social media already. Just a question that, does that mean that being more orthodox is good? And it does not. It just no, like no. Scoring <laughs> high in conquistadores or in no me digas means that right. there's good people at all. Yeah. Um, I think what points really means is that it makes a more interesting story. Right. Right. I think just to, to draw a comparison, Andrew Jackson is the most interesting U.S. president, narratively speaking, mm-hmm. but <laughs> also yeah. the most genocidal. So well, Right. And I think Totalis Rankium kind of got around that by doing negative points for right. their disgrace right. gate section. Which was but, very smart. Which yeah. is very smart. <laughs> But I didn't want to do that. Short answer to that. So, yeah, points does not mean good person or even necessarily good ruler. Right. So orthodoxia. Originally, I wanted to name this category something to do with Catholicism. But I realized it wouldn't be exactly fair to all the Muslim rulers that we're going to have. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, they would automatically score zero points because they wouldn't be very Catholic at all. Right. So I decided orthodox is a better way to do this. How how religious were they? How Mm -hmm. what 
what did they do to uphold their chosen religion, whether that was Catholicism or, or uh, Islam, right? Right. And again, we're going to have rulers that run the gamut. Everyone Mm -hmm. is going to be at least nominally religious. Right. right? I don't think we're going to have a single ruler who is not religious or who does not Mm -hmm. say they're religious. We're going to have heretics. We are going to have people who say that they're religious and then do things completely against their religion. And right. then we're going to have people who perpetrate the Spanish Inquisition, right? So right. always fun. Always fun. Mm-hmm. So those are our first three categories. Uh, 20 points each will each be awarded mm-hmm. 10. Okay. Our next category is called El Resto, which I'm actually pretty proud of the name of that. Right. I, I was going to uh, say, yes. obviously meaning king. Resto meaning the rest. Yes. So these are things where we're going to look at what did this ruler leave behind for us to Mm -hmm. look at, right? Right. Or talk about that don't really fit into the other categories. Things Mm -hmm. like coins, sculptures, paintings, depictions in manuscripts. Did they write any letters or treatises that we have? Mm-hmm. Um, how did they die? You know, was it interesting? Did they have to right. death? Right. How many children did they have? How long did they rule? Mm-hmm. These two specific things are usually separate in, in other ranking podcasts. But I decided right. to put them here and mm-hmm. have us grade them subjectively rather than objectively. I like it. First of all, the Visigoths, who are going to be our first people that will provide mm-hmm. rulers for Spain, they lived in the five and six and seven hundreds. A lot of them didn't live very long. No, I was going to say that'll be probably pretty brisk. When we get into more modern times with modern medicine and medical treatments and right. better health outcomes, we're going to mm-hmm. have people living a really long time. Right. Rex Factor tried to ameliorate this by having a, uh, a special scale where everything was set off in quartiles. But one, I don't really feel like doing all of that math. No. And two, I still think it should be, for example, Roman emperors, Aurelian, mm-hmm. just five, if I remember correctly, four or five years he was emperor. And right. He turned the entire empire around and kept it going for another couple hundred years. Couple hundred right? years. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it would have been completely gone in the 200s if it wasn't for him. Exactly. On the other hand, Honorius, who ruled for a stupid long amount forever, forever, and did basically nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. his rule is all about Stilicho and Alaric. It has exactly. nothing to do nothing. with him. But he mm-hmm. got a great score on longevity because he just happened to be alive for so long. Right. I don't like that. We're not doing that. Sure. We are going to subjectively grade how we feel about the length of time that they were ruling. All so. right. That is that. Uh, so that's one, two, three, four, five. That's uh, no four categories: conquistadores, no me digas, ortodoxia, and el resto. Twenty points each, so the maximum point total is going to be eighty points for any one ruler. The final category, though, this is where we decide, apart from the score, whether we really like them or not, whether they're super interesting, even if they score terribly. Is this a is this a ruler that we would tell people about? Okay. This category is called Fuero o Fuera. And I think I'm okay. going to explain that a little bit. Yes, please do. So a Fuero is a medieval charter. It's something that medieval kings would sign with their 
populace, and it set out the rights and responsibilities of each person towards each other. Right. So it laid Mm -hmm. out taxes the population would have to do. It laid out responsibilities that the king would have to protect the population. Basically, Mm kind of like a a Magna Carta of sorts. Okay. Right. So these are called fueros. And each community in Spain uh, up through the Middle Ages would have their own fuero with with the king. It was actually quite an interesting way to set things up where there was kind of a give and take between right. the ruler and those that he ruled. Okay. Uh, when the king would sign a fuero, he would sign it with his signature, but kings in Spain for a long time did not sign with their name. They signed with their title. They signed Yo El Rey. I the king. <laughs> yes. Uh, obviously everybody knows who that is. Right, right. Yeah. It's actually really interesting on Wikipedia you can look up the different Spanish monarchs and it has their signature and all the signatures right. just say yo el rey right. in different right. handwriting. But, you know, and somewhere uh, out there, Kanye West is saying, wait, you can do that. Oh, he cool. should have yeah. thought of it. Yeah, a- absolutely. Absolutely. I'm the king. Yes. <laughs> so if we if we grant them a fuero, that means they get to sign mm-hmm. yo el rey and they are the best of the best. OK. Fuera, on the other hand, <laughs> despite being the same word, but uh, a feminine word with feminine, an a yeah. head, means nothing the same. It means get out. Mm. Go away. <laughs> so we have to decide what we're going right. to say to these rulers. Fuero or fuera? <laughs> I see. Yes. <laughs> so those are that's the basic format of the podcast. All right. So let's talk about Spain a little bit. What do you know about Spanish history already? Uh, as I say, it ne- next next to nothing. I know. Nothing. I, well, you I know. Being subjugated by two empires, right? You know which I, ones those are. I, I know those. That is the Roman Empire, and it's. I know of the Moors. I know very little of the exact name of the. I think it's fair to call it an empire. Uh-huh. You know, the, the way I look at it is if you're expansionist and you're conquering people and, you know, using the land for your own purposes, you're an empire. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know about the expulsion uh, of the Moors, okay. most, mostly because I was educated as an elementary school student in a Christian school in Southern California, okay. uh, which means I was taught to worship at the altar of Columbus. Mm-hmm. So all of the Columbus story, including Ferdinand and Isabella, was something that I was spoon fed repeatedly uh, year after year. So I know about Ferdinand and Isabella, and I know, you know, the Isabella sold her jewels to finance the expedition and so on and so forth. Spanish history does tend to have a lot of those kind of (laughs) mythical stories that came into play sometimes hundreds of years later. I mean, Isabel is not the only one. We'll see that again with Roderick, who's the last synagogue. There's a lot of big stories. Yeah. I mean, to give you an idea of the kind of education I received, I was literally taught that George Washington chopped down a cherry tree. Uh, (laughs) Like that was a fact that I was taught. 
So and he could never tell a lie. And he could not tell a lie. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, so I, 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 as you, as you know, uh, mm-hmm. I am an English professor. I study Shakespeare, so I know all about the Tudors, and thus I know about Mary. And mm-hmm. therefore, I know about Philip II. Yes. And the it's Queen so interesting, of England. our different viewpoints on Philip. Right. II. The Queen of England married to uh, yeah. the King of Spain. And, and what a big deal that was. And of course, I know about the Spanish Armada. The name of this I, podcast. Exactly. So. Came up with. Exactly. I know about, I know about him. And I know about Isabella II, and That's you are the reason I that, that I, that I exactly, I know that because you had to read a very big book about her and you wanted oh, to huge. spread the joy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was for my, um, for my comprehensive exams, which right, it didn't right. come up. But I think the reason that I was set that by our- God, that must have been frustrating. <laughs> well, it was a little bit, but- it did help because she was queen at a time where a lot of other things were happening in Spanish history. Right. And so right. it kind of it filled in the gap for me in between the 1700s. Right. And what I think of as the modern Spanish monarchy. Right. right. There, there's, this, right. there's this big hole for me right, right. in the 1800s. So I think right. that's why they set that book specifically right. read. But it, it did and, not come up. Right. And I was talking with a friend of mine, and here's here's the other thing I know about Isabella II is I was talking with a friend of mine in LA and I was I mentioned that you had told me all about Isabella II and and he said, Oh, the little girl from Amistad. Like, yes. Oh wow, I know yeah, I guess so. Now, now I know two things about I, I didn't even think about that, but yes, yes. that's exactly so, it. So there you go. Okay, very cool. Well, I'm gonna do just a brief overview of Spanish history before the start of our podcast, which is okay. gonna start in 560 CE, right? Okay. So we're starting relatively early, but there's right. obviously still a lot more history. Now I will sure. say one thing. This is gonna be my first plug for another podcast. If you oh. speak Spanish at all, mm-hmm. you should listen to La Historia de España by David Cot. He has okay. a lot of really great episodes on prehistorical Spain, cave paintings. You should definitely listen to that if you can, if you speak Spanish mm-hmm. at all. Right. If you don't, I'm sorry, I don't know of anything in English. Which I I, I don't. Again, I can't, can't stress the 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 sub rosa racism of my upbringing but here's another example i was again i was raised in southern california and i was taught french oh well there we go so so (laughs) just just really emphasize the fact that within the walls of that school it was understood that we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna train you to be a snotty turn of the century Englishman. Uh, that was and and they succeeded. So well, to be fair, they did. you're uh, an English professor it, now. So was, there we it go. It was money. It was money well spent. To be I sure. Guess so well, so we're gonna start kind of not not as early as cave paintings, but we're gonna start with the quote unquote native populations of the right. Iberian Peninsula. These mm-hmm. are known as the Iberians and the Celts. Right. right or Celts, right. but I call them Celts because in Spanish, what what eventually happened with these two peoples is they started intermarrying. And right. the The population is usually called the Celtiberos, okay, Iberians, right? Okay. Generally, the Celts, who are a uh, Indo-European people, 
Yes. I lived in the center and to the, the western parts of the Iberian okay. Peninsula, whereas the Iberians, who are not Indo-European as far as I know, lived on the Mediterranean coast. Okay. So there were a few cities on the Iberian Peninsula that were founded by other nations, such as Phoenicia, mm-hmm. right, forming mm-hmm. uh, settling Cadiz. Or like Ampurias was a Greek settlement, right? Right. But Spain was not really part of any larger empires until the Punic Wars. Okay. Right. Okay. So the Punic Wars were wars between Rome, which at this point was just a republic. It was not. It was basically just Rome. It didn't even have control over the entire Italian peninsula yet. Mm -hmm. And Carthage. And Carthage was the huge... Mediterranean Sea Power, right? Mm-hmm. Their, their capital was in what is modern day Tunisia, but they basically mm-hmm. controlled all the shipping lanes and had right. lots of power. And mm-hmm. in the first Punic War, Carthage went to war against Rome, who in its entire history never really developed naval power at all. No, 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 no. It, it is. It's very surprising. Um, they, they never really solved the problem, among other things, of North African pirates. Uh, uh, yes. and, and and the secret was we spent a few hundred years studying how to build ships. That's that's the secret. I mean, Rome basically decided eh, we got infantry. That's all we really need. Like, no, you don't, guys. <laughs> well, surprisingly enough, Rome won the first Punic War. Completely that is surprising. devastated the that Carthaginians. Is it, was a, right. it was a big surprise to everybody. I think right. Rome was surprised. Right. Carthage was certainly surprised. Sure. But one of the things that came out of the First Punic War was uh, an indemnity that Carthage had to pay to Rome for mm. for the war. Right. They right. lost the war, so they had to pay a whole bunch of money. This mm-hmm. ironically ed- led to Carthage expanding even more. Right. They didn't right. have the resources to pay this indemnity. So they had to start taking over new lands. And OK. Getting the natural resources there to pay this indemnity. OK. So what are these? And I'm sure I'm sure a long term debt owed didn't lead to bad feelings and a further war or two, I'm guessing. Well, I, there's a lot of parallels between the First and Second World War. Yeah, there really yeah. are. <laughs> yep. Anyway, so this is what led to Carthage taking over parts of the Iberian Peninsula and Spain, gotcha. mostly on the Mediterranean coast. So where the Iberians originally were. Sure. But this this was done basically to to provide fuel for this indemnity mm-hmm. that they had to pay. Sure. The people that were already there in Spain, not not thrilled, not thrilled no. about this incursion. You, you've used the word Celts or Celts. And I'm just mm-hmm. wondering, when are these people going to leave and go to my homeland to invent whiskey? <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, they didn't actually leave. They kind of just congregated up in the upper corner of Spain. Ah, okay. And we, we, will, right. we will meet them. Okay, good. Times. But what sparked the Second Punic War was a disagreement from one of the Greek settlements at Ampurias. Mm-hmm. They, why are all these Carthaginians here? So they called up right. Rome and said, hey, uh, we don't want these people here. And so the Second Punic War began. This is the right. one with Hannibal and the And elephants. the elephants. The yeah. elephants. Yay. But Rome won this one, too. I know. Surprisingly enough. Yes. I, I don't know what, what happened with Carthage, but yeah, Rome won that one, too. And yes. that meant that Rome took over all the land in Spain that had belonged mm. to Carthage. Right. So this is how Spain became part of the Roman Empire. Right. Right. This is about uh, the 200s BC. I'm not great at dates. 
Okay. Okay. No, that's it. That sounds about right. Cause I had mm-hmm. to learn about this stuff in one of my Latin classes. So Fabius mm-hmm. Maximus, this is, yeah, this is about 200 or so. I um, learned about most of this from La Historia de España, the podcast that go. I mentioned before. So, right. Um, right. So this is how Spain enters the, the Roman empire. It was actually their first colony. Really? I mean, oh, okay. it was before Julius Caesar, Oh, yeah. Took over Gaul. And Gaul. Right. Right. right, Way before Britain. And uh, Mm -hmm. of course, Trajan and Hadrian hadn't pushed long long time down the road. Sure. This is is really, truly their first colony. Okay. They remained in the Roman Empire. I mean, technically, they remained in the Roman Empire until the Western Roman Empire fell. But that's not 100% or not 100% accurate because we have uh, the Visigoths moving in. Right. And I will talk more about this in our Visigoth background episode. But basically what happened is that the Visigoths were placed close to the Iberian Peninsula to keep other barbarians out. And they ended up basically forming their own state there. Mm -hmm. So this is where we're coming into the story with the Visigoths. A bit after the fall of the West, but, but right around that time. So this is this is where we're going to be starting with our podcast. And I'll talk a little bit more in the next episode about why I chose specifically there to start. Last thing I want to do with this is talk a little bit about geography. We're going to take a moment to talk about Spanish geography, because a lot of podcasts will just introduce places and events without really Mm -hmm. specifying where everything is that is a problem yes it's a problem it's an audio (laughs) medium and you you really gotta kind of explain where things are so i'm gonna describe the iberian peninsula oh good for you guys (laughs) if you're listening you can bust out a map of spain if you can um or if you know what it looks like you can just imagine it if you're driving or sleeping or <laughs> please don't shower, don't do that. <laughs> Just imagine an upside down Pentagon with unequal angles, by which I mean, you know, like the home plate in baseball. It's like, yeah, where yeah. with a triangle on a top, like you try right. to draw a house. Right. And then turn that over. So the point of the triangle is down. This is Spain or the Iberian Peninsula. And actually, Peter, I'm going to share picture with you so you can Mm. you can actually look. This picture I'm sharing is actually a map of what the Iberian Peninsula was when the visitors were there. Oh, this is great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, So it's great. So we're going to start at the bottom point of this Pentagon. This is Mm -hmm. roughly the location of the Rock of Gibraltar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, yes. in real yes. life, the Rock of Gibraltar is not the southernmost point in Spain. There's going to be a town here called Tarifa. That's going to be okay. the Rock of Gibraltar. If you can see this little bay here, it's yeah, I do. up from the bottom point. Ah, right? OK. Gotcha. Below this bottom point of Spain is the Strait of Gibraltar. It's right. eight miles wide, which is 13 kilometers. So you can mm-hmm. see Africa from Tarifa. If you're at Tarifa, you can okay. see Africa and you will take a picture of it. And then when you take the ferry across and you get to Africa, <laughs> you can see Spain and you'll take a picture of that too. And then you'll have two pictures that look exactly the same. So I, I don't know. The, what Spanish, the Spanish equivalent of Sarah Palin says that she can see, can Africa, see Africa from her house. Yeah, I don't know. We were just house. so amazed when we yeah. got to Tarifa. We're like, we can see Africa. Mm-hmm. And then when we got to Africa, we were like, we can see Europe, even though we were yes. literally just there. 
Right. <laughs> okay. Actually, if you're on top of the Rock of Gibraltar, um, mm-hmm. your cell phone is going to say, welcome to Morocco. Here's information oh, wow. on roaming charges. <laughs> That's how close. All right. Very close. Regardless, at this point in history, the Rock is not known as Gibraltar. Nobody calls it okay. Gibraltar. Doesn't have right. that name. It and the mountains on the African side are called the Pillars of Hercules. Mm-hmm. Right. So these right. represent the end of the known world because this right. is the end of the Mediterranean. Right. Right. This is not to say that people didn't sail past them because they mm-hmm. did and they went up and down the coast, but nobody went out into the open sea. Right. In 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 Homer's Odyssey, that is the place that represents the entrance to the underworld. Yeah. That that's it's, that's that it's the limit of the place where you can live. Yes, it's um, the end. So, There's yeah. nothing. Yeah, yeah. Nothing past it, right. So Pillars of Hercules, that's at the very bottom. Okay, gotcha. Most of the area in this lower triangle of Spain is the modern-day region of Andalusia. Okay. We go maybe halfway up each of the sides of the triangle and then in. This is where your famous cities of Seville, Cordoba, and Granada are. And okay. Many of them are here today. You can see uh, this star that says mm-hmm. Hispalis, Yes. Seville. Oh, okay. At Seville. And then here you can say Cordoba, right? Yes. I don't know that Granada has been founded. It's around here-ish. But if you think of Spain and you think of Spanish cities, these are the ones you get to think of. They're all in the south here. Gotcha. Okay. At this point in our story, this region is called the province of Betica. That's what the province is called, the province. And the Visigoths just continue. Mm -hmm. Right. We're going to move clockwise around the Pentagon Okay. Okay. The left or the west coast of the peninsula, uh, we have the Atlantic Ocean on the left. Yes. And the coast is modern day Portugal, right? Right. It was not a separate country at this time. It was considered part of Hispania and it was called Mm -hmm. the province of Lusitania. Okay. Um, So Lusitania takes up most of the left side of the Pentagon, but there's also a lump further inland, which is also part of Lusitania. And Mm -hmm. that's the current region, the Spanish region of Extremadura, right? So this is all the province of Lusitania. Got it. In the top left or northwest of the Pentagon, we've got basically a square area in the corner, which is not part of Portugal slash Lusitania. This is Galicia. Right. Right. It was called Galicia by the Romans. It's still called Galicia to this day. This area was really hard for the Romans to assimilate. So it's not highly Romanized. It's still Mm. very Celtic. And at this time in our story at 560s, it's still it's its own kingdom and it has its own king. Oh, okay. And we're going to meet him in the first episode. Oh, goody. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So now we're moving across the top of Spain Mm -hmm. or the top of the Pentagon. The the coast, the the sea is called the Bay of Biscay to the north. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you went even further north, you would hit uh, Brittany. Right. So this is kind of where we are. And then along the north coast, there's some lowlands between the coast and then moving inland. But then there's a mountain range right here. It's called the Peak right. de Europa or the Peaks of Europe. Right. So there's this strip of land in between the sea and the mountains. And it's historically been a really good place to hide. Right. right. Any conquerors that come, you want to hide there. Mm-hmm. The indigenous population did it when the Romans showed up. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's going to happen again when the Muslims show up. Right. Mm-hmm. So this area was also very lightly Romanized. Right. Going from left to right, we have the regions of Asturias and Cantabria. Um, mm-hmm. And they have the same names now as they did then. Okay. Right. Halfway across the top line of the Pentagon, we've got another mountain range, and this is the Pyrenees. 
right? Okay. So the Pyrenees starts about halfway across and it goes to, to the to the sea. Right. And above right. the Pyrenees, north of the Pyrenees, we have modern day France. France. Yes. If you want to mentally attach like a hexagon to the upper yes. right section of right. Europe, right. You go knock yourself out. Mm-hmm. Right now in the 560s, France is ruled by several kingdoms of the Franks. So they're okay. also ruled by barbarians. Right. On the Spain side of the border, what we have is the Basque country. The Basque country mm. has always been there and has always been called that. You can see here it's called Basconia uh, mm. on our map here. That's an area of the country that will never be troubled or <laughs> in any way controversial. Just a land of absolute peace and harmony for the Well, it's of got history. the same <laughs> issue going on as Galicia, Asturias, and Cantabria. It's very yes. mountainous, so it's real easy mm-hmm. to hide. Yes. So anybody who comes through is going to find it very hard to assimilate this area into their own empire, which mm-hmm. is why the Basque country still retains so strongly its own culture, its own language, mm-hmm. its own right. traditions, et cetera. Modern day, this is three different regions, País Vasco, Navarre, mm-hmm. and La Rioja. Okay. Nowadays, Navarre and La Rioja are not really considered Basque, but if you go there, for example, Navarre, Navarra, uh, has Pamplona mm-hmm. there. And if you go to Pamplona, the signs are still in both Basque and Spanish. Okay. Right? Even though it's not an official language. This area is doing their own thing, as they will for most of history, but they don't have a king like Galicia. Oh, they're they just don't. not part of the Gothic kingdom, but they don't. Okay. They're not a kingdom yet. They will be. Okay. Okay. Heading around around the top right corner, we have the mm. modern regions of Aragon and Catalonia. But at okay. this time, this whole area was called Tarraconensis, right? That's that's the Roman name of the province. That's mm-hmm. what they still call it. Right. Catalonia is on the coast, the right or east coast. And this is the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can see Barcelona is not quite here yet. No, but. but showing up. Here's yes. Emporias. That's the Greek city that sparked the Second Punic War. Mm-hmm. And then when we go down the the coast here, the Mediterranean coast, we're going to pass two other modern-day Spanish regions, the one called Valencia, and another one is called Murcia, right? So they're down here on the coast. These two areas are not part of Gothic Spain right now. Oh, okay. They're not controlled by anybody Spanish. They're part of the Byzantine Empire. Oh, my God. Yeah, Justinian, really? Justinian went and conquered. He wanted to restart the, the full empire, Mediterranean Roman Empire. So he conquered basically wow. all of this coastline here. So all of this is Eastern Roman Empire. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm sure news traveled quickly between those two areas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but there is a more Byzantine influence in Spain than you would expect just because. They okay, I, yeah. All right. So now we're at the bottom of the Pentagon again, and we're back at Andalusia. Mm. Betica, okay. Right. So All that's, right. that's the circle. Now mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the middle of the country. Right. In modern times, this middle part is known as Castile. And that's why sometimes the Spanish language is called Castilian. Sure. In modern times, there are three regions in it. From northwest to southeast, Mm -hmm. they're called Castilla-Leon, Madrid, and Castilla-La Mancha. Gotcha. So we got three. But this central area was called Carthaginensis. Mm -hmm. Right. Of course. Right. I want to point out Madrid is not a thing yet. I was going to say, there's. I'm looking and I ain't seeing it. No, but you will see Toledo. 
Toledo, right? right? Yes. This was sure. the capital of the Visigoths. Ah, um, okay. Toledo is just south of where Madrid will be. It's a pretty easy day trip from Madrid if you ever go. Mm-hmm. You can take the train. It's like 30 minutes. Okay. But th- this is our capital here, Toledo. Mm. Three other geographical things I want to mention. First, if you've been counting along with me, I've only mentioned 15 modern regions of Spain, but there are 17 mm. autonomous communities. Oh, okay. So the last two are island chains, and we can see one of them on our map. This is the Balearic Islands yes. right here. This mm-hmm. is where Mallorca, Menorca, Ibiza, all of those places are. They're Byzantine right now also. Right. So okay. we'll talk about them presently, but not quite yet. I was going to say already they're 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 currently building breachfront communities for British expats. Yes, um, they're, they, they're working on that for a long. In a couple thousand years, trust me, this land is going to be worth millions. Oh yes. <laughs> then the second island chain is the Canary Islands, which are they're out in the Atlantic Ocean. Atlantic, they're yes. off the southwest coast of Morocco. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about them for another eight hundred years. Ah, okay, all so right. Well, we got a while. Okay, and. We have one bit of modern day France that's going to come mm. in as part of our story. You can see it on the map. It's this part yes. that says Septimania. Septimania. Mm. It's mm-hmm. north of the top right corner of Spain. It's on the other side of the Pyrenees. Narbonne is here. That's what Narbo is. Toulouse is here. Toulouse was actually the historical capital of the Goths. Okay. So that's why this region remains under Gothic control. Mm-hmm. So we will be talking about events that happened here for for a little bit. Okay, but it, as you know, it's not part of modern day Spain, so it, it will eventually gotcha. go away. Right. So that's kind of the big picture of Spain. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm going to wrap this up here. Our next episode is going to be talking more specifically about the Visigoths, how they got Ready. where they are, and, and and why they became the rulers of Spain. Okay. And that is going to be that. So please Excellent. continue listening. Stick with us if you enjoyed yes. what you heard. Uh, please do. Download us on Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Those are Vanish Arpada. Huh. So I, th- I think you're already following us, Peter. Uh, but I would I'm on hope Twitter so. As well. Yeah. Okay. So, All right. Uh, Spanish Arpada. And we'll be releasing through Podbean. So uh, eventually there will be a website. I'm still kind of working on that. But I believe we're contractually obligated to use Squarespace. Oh, yeah, um, I think so. Uh, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, anyway, so we will see you next time. Goodbye. All right. See you. Goodbye. Goodbye.